Okay, be upfront with me. Have you achieved what you set out to do, whether it's your weight, your health, or other goals? Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery. Let's talk about everything you need to move on. When was the last time your needs, your health, your weight, you were a priority. Just ahead as we wrap up our first podcast season, let's find out why this is so hard, plus how to put strategies in place to help prioritize that me time and achieve what you set out to do. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Joining me via Skype from Tweed Heads, New South Wales, is weight management psychologist Jenny Turner. Jenny is an Australian registered psychologist with a master's degree in rehabilitation. She works predominantly in the areas of weight management, menopause, and life change phases. She believes that the journey to a healthier lifestyle is one of personal development. And while it's important to have goals to work towards, it's the journey which matters. Now, I like that. You can find out more about Jenny on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Just click on the podcast for her episode and then the show notes or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash beyondbariatricsurgery. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Thank you, Susan. Okay. Why, Jenny, is it so hard to prioritize me time? And you know what? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it. Is that harder for women than men? Do you know, I really think it is. It's women have a tendency to think about children first, husbands, other family members, and themselves last. And so when they do that, we go to the bottom of the list, right? Uh-huh. And I think for many people, though, It goes beyond that to many times just letting anyone and everyone encroach on our me time. And I'll say our because I'm guilty of this too. We can all make excuses like, let's see, I couldn't work out because that was the only time the plumber could come or I was expecting a call. I didn't want to miss the call. Do you think anyone actually tells the plumber, hey, I'm not available at that time, but I'll be available at 10 a.m. or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) I think that this really is handed down between the generations. You know, it's our mother's role modeling. And I think there's also some misconceived perception from society that this is what one does to be a good mother or even to be a good person. And I think women feel it a bit selfish. Um, to put themselves in any other position but last. Why this selfish feeling? And do you think this perception for men is different? Yes, I do. I see it very much is different between the generations. Do you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, that, that we all put ourselves first, but we need to be equal with everyone else. You know, that's interesting because I like that word equal, Jenny, versus our society today, which tends to anyway make it all about me. So I I really like the idea of equal much, much better. Does it just come down to mindset or how do you do that when you've never done it before? Yes, I think it is a mindset. And I think this becomes a learned behavior as well, as we just mentioned before. Do you know, I like to talk about this as in an abbreviation a capital P, a capital N, and a little E. P, me. And when our mind unconsciously 
alleviates that. It can come out as, poor me. But if we change that to prioritise me and feel the power, then I think that that's just wonderful. Prioritise me. You know, there's, there's power there. But I suspect people will struggle with that because they're going to think, well, now I'm being selfish if I start to make it about me. But prioritize me is an empowering statement. Okay, let's do a little experiment then. I'd like you to say, poor me. Okay, everyone, say it, say it with me. Poor me. Now notice your body language. I suspect your shoulders have gone down a little bit. You might feel a bit of a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach and, and sometimes even the beginning of a feeling of hopelessness. You know, it's so funny you say that because when I said, poor me, I felt, when I said those words, I kind of sagged forward. You know, like the shoulders kind of rolled down as if, oh, hum. That's right. Now, I want you to say, prioritize me. Okay, here we go, everyone. Say it with me. Prioritize me. Okay, notice your body language. What's changed? Well, I have to tell you, for me, I sat up straighter <laughs> and I kind of took my hand and my forefinger kind of pointed at me and said, hey, <laughs> prioritize me. It was a little uh, stronger movement. Yes, that's what I generally see in people as well. They straighten up, they have a bit of a more positive feeling in the stomach, you know, a sense of well-being. And yes, I can, I can do this. Yeah, I like that. I can, we can, I can do this. When did we start to move ourselves down the list? Because I look back at my, you know, my mom and my grandmother, and they were pretty much all of the generation of take care of your kids and not yourself. And that is what's passed down as well. But we in our society have more now. Not only are we taking care of our kids and our family, taking care of our, of our careers, and there's not much left for us. But I think, you know, this actually came out with the, comes out with the first placenta. When women have children, <laughs> that's, when the, that's when the pecking order changes. Baby comes first, husband's around there, family's around there, and we're just down at the last at the bottom of the barrel. Does that change when the kids leave home? You know, it's interesting. Often I will find women will say, oh, it's now time for me. It's a, and I think this is not only generational from a learned perspective, but it's also very much life phase related. So going back just a second, I, I want to say, what about the women who do not have children? Is there a difference in terms of prioritizing themselves? For example, do they still fall to the bottom of the deck under husband and work? Or do working women without children or just women without children tend to prioritize themselves a little more. To a certain extent, it is still a little bit of learned behavior. But interesting, I've also noticed that younger women are maintaining themselves as a priority within their relationships. It also comes down to personalities. For example, if somebody whom I would classify as an accommodator by nature, will tend to put others first regardless of their life phase. Now, it's these people who find it really difficult to prioritize themselves. So how do you help people work their way back where they stop letting others encroach on their needs or they just stop sacrificing their own needs for others? Mm. We have to really develop some specific strategies to ensure that this, this occurs. 
So let's talk about what this really looks like in practice day to day. I'm a real big believer in real world steps that, that we can go home and say, oh, I heard what Jenny said, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Yes, firstly, we might challenge the thoughts that they have. For example, you know, it might be important for somebody to, to lose some weight, they want to be active, more active with the kids, feel better about themselves. And I know that part of doing that is eating regularly during the day. However, they skip the breakfast because of rushing to get the kids, have their, make their lunches, feed them breakfast and get them off to school. I think that's a very common scenario. How do you challenge that? Okay, if you think that to take time out to have your own breakfast or to train or to expect other children to actually take some of the morning workload, would that be selfish of you? Do you know, if we challenge that, that it is actually selfish if you do not look after yourself, that you do not teach your children how to be independent. The flexible terms that we can, can prevent this action from shuffling ourselves to the bottom of the deck of cards becomes such a habit because we want to be there for our kids for the longer term. Yeah, I'm just, I'm listening to what you just said and I'm thinking myself and others are probably going to say, hmm, I haven't thought of it from the situation of is it actually selfish not to look after yourself? Yes, and you know, some people can be a little confronted when I suggest that they are being selfish to keep their kids reliant upon them and not enabling them, the children, to become more independent. I bet they are. And how do you, what do you say then when they go, well, but, you know, they're just surprised by that, as I was. What do you say? Well, you know, it's our behaviour. Our behavioural response trains people what to expect of and from us. And we need to consider this very carefully. Taking another example outside of the home, while in a, in a new job, we want to make a really good impression. So often, you know, we go that little extra. But at the also, we need to be careful that we set appropriate boundaries right from the word go. And the workplace is not the only environment that this relates to. And you know, it's interesting because what I hear you saying is that by putting others first, you're really not attending to your own health. And at some point, that's, as we say in the US, it's gonna come back to bite you. So you become the burden that could affect others. Maybe you can't go to certain places because you can't walk that much. So what I'm hearing that you say is at home or in a work situation, that you can actually be too helpful to others where it affects you. That's right. And you know, how much more can we offer our family when we're feeling physically and emotionally well? You know, this reward comes from eating well, engaging in some physical activity that's pleasurable, whether it's with others or just a solo pursuit. It provides all that wonderful benefits of self-achievement, motivation, increased energy, improved mood, mood self-esteem, body image. I agree. That's what we really all want. I agree, and they all work together, come together. That leads me to what I'm thinking about next. Do you think people who are prone to being the person in our example here do more for others than is necessary? Are they letting people lean on them because other people know they'll drop what they're doing and come attend to them? <laughs> yes, and, and, and that's what we're teaching people to do. So by our the way we grow up is what i think i'm hearing you say generationally 
we learn to give and give at the expense of ourselves. And what you're saying is we've got to kind of pull back a little and balance that a little bit better. And I don't know, I hate the word balance because I think balance is really hard to do, but try to get more of an equality where, yes, you're taking care of others, but you're also taking care of yourself. Yes, that's right. And basically we, we need to relearn how to do that. So thinking about relearning, let's use the workplace. If you would, maybe give us some examples of people, maybe clients of yours, how you've helped them prioritize themselves in their daily life. Mm -hmm. Okay, a common scenario can involve um, a call center or a large office where there's a communal staff room. You know, it all depends upon the workplace culture. Um, there might be a culture of a morning tea to uh, celebrate somebody's birthday. Now, with the large staff, it seems there's always somebody's birthday, which means there's always food in the tea room. And it can be really difficult if somebody is endeavouring to combat the afternoon you know, energy low or mood low. One way that I would suggest is that somebody, that the person brings a healthier contribution, and you'll find very quickly that others will follow. The other thing also is to plan. Plan not to go near the tea room in the afternoon. And it's working at strategies that combat the needing to give into those, you know, the taste buds. I think of what you're saying is so true because here, uh, where you call it tea room, we might call it the staff room. But many people will know that's where the food is. And come two or three o'clock when you really would like to just roll over and take a nap, you get hungry, you start to reach for something to eat. And a lot of times people in the workplace will know in the office who, who is the person who has the M&Ms or the other goodies in their desk drawer. They just kind of, or they have a jar on top of their desk and they'll just kind of roll over there and say, hey, here I am, I'm coming by, I'm gonna get a little snack. So I do agree with you where I think food is pretty ubiquitous. And if you do bring snacks that are healthy yourself, I, I can think of one a friend of mine who works in the radio business and Radio stations are notorious for always having food. And you can go into the staff room, lunchroom, and there's a lot of food. And he said, you know, every day it was just calling my name, donuts, whatever happened to be there. So he started, Jenny, packing his own snacks. And when that would happen, he would turn around and go back to where he had his snack stash, if you will, and he would eat those. I think that takes a lot of discipline, but I think it is so smart. Yes, it is. And you mentioned the biscuit bowl or the, the, the lolly jar. And you know, somebody in a team leader's position may feel that they have the authority to relocate that jar to an area that is of less temptation to themselves, whereas a team member may not feel it's, it is their place to even suggest it, or they may feel they're going to come under criticism from the supervisor for even suggesting it, you know, fearing the response, you don't have to eat them. Right. And you know what? That response doesn't work for most anyone because I'll, food, when it food is right there in front of you, I know from years of working in this field of nutrition, it calls your name. When you are tired, cranky, hungry, sleep deprived, it can be a, all kinds of things, just flat stressed. You see that lolly jar, as you said, and it starts to go, Jenny... Jenny, <laughs> Jenny, come on over here. There's goodies to be found, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. So when Do you, you know, tell someone way... don't eat it, forget about it. That just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's that's for sure. One way to, um, I suppose, come up with a solution of this is really to consider the other members of the team and enlist their help. There's going to be other people there who are feeling the same as you. You know, enlist their help. You know, power to the people. I agree that. So what uh, with you, if what you're saying, I think, is one way to prioritize yourself is to get into control of the situation by making sure it meets your needs but meets others needs because most people are trying to take good care of themselves yeah there's nothing wrong with treats but when they're right in front of you all the time it, it can be tough okay yes that's so mm-hmm. yeah uh, for those that say okay i don't fit any of these descriptions how could we tell they're not prioritizing themselves. Is there just a simple test that you ask people where it gives you a good feel of what's going on day to day? Yes. I ask people to keep a day of all their activities and things that you do for at least a fortnight. A month is preferable. Then review how much time and what activities, one, purely for yourself, and two, how many activities or how much time you enjoyed with others but not times where you have organized, cooked, or cleaned up. How many times do you get a blank book? (laughs) (laughs) So at a fortnight, which here is is two weeks, how many times do you get a a diary where there's not a lot of me stuff? Very commonly. I I bet. So when you look at that and you say, "Mm, what would be some realistic tips to just start with baby steps to begin the prioritizing process. Okay, if, uh, and I'll talk about a, a family situation, and a great strategy is really, we need to be organized, we need to plan. And keeping a family diary on the fridge, and we can all get these, and on a weekly basis at least, you be the first person to put up your diary of what you want to do. Then each family member writes up their own diary that is going to need your help. Now, when there's a clash, there has to be some negotiation. Sure. Now, this negotiation really needs to be which is the most important. Now, if the other person's Um, I suppose, situation you might consider to be more important than yours, then the thing is, you don't just forego what you have planned for yourself. You make it up. And, for example, if it was a training session, then the next two or three training sessions, you just include an extra 10 minutes. Now, when people start to do that, that's where that, you know, pay me, that prioritize me power really comes in. Because mm-hmm. they really learn that, hey, this is not all that all that hard. And I'm still getting what I want. The other person's having their needs met as well. It's a win-win situation. The other trick here is also that checklists may be really helpful. Now, you think about how a team is organized at work and take some of the tips away from that and the strategies, such as delegation, employing good communication skills, allowing others to make decisions, experiencing rewards and consequences of their decisions or not actions, and endeavoring not to rescue. Now, because I can see that if you're looking at this busy checklist and everybody's priorities seem important, and I can see that 
we would say, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And before long, you've rescued everybody that had a complication and you've just fallen to the bottom of the deck here. So what I like that you said is that when you do have to bend and choose and go through the, the list and, and many times other people's events do have to come first, you said, make up your time. So find places where you can have prioritize me or a, a little time for yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is what I'm saying. And whilst we may not get the full block of time, we can actually break it down into small increments where we are still getting a little bit for me. And sometimes I think we have to change that perception that it has to be a big piece of time. It doesn't because all these little pieces of time add up and we still feel the emotion, emotional benefit of it. I love that. So even 10 minutes here and there for yourself can be beneficial. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes that's all we need too. And before we go, I, I want to tie in because it goes perfectly with what we're saying right now, this 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Learning self-compassion, would you wrap up by talking just a little bit about that? Yes. Self-compassion is about valuing ourselves. And when we value ourselves, other people will do also. And sometimes that is the hardest thing for people to actually learn what is self-compassion. And that's another session. Okay. And I will then say, if someone says, oh boy, I don't think I have self-compassion. Is there one little something they could start to think about in terms of valuing ourselves a little bit more? And again, I'm not saying, you know, it's all about me. That's not what I'm saying, but learning to care for yourself as well. I think that if people start to prioritize themselves, feel that power, then that is the beginning of self-compassion. Oh, thank you so much for your time today. Jenny, this has really been enlightening. Thank you. I've enjoyed speaking with you and to everyone else. So remember, ask yourself and check, are you always sacrificing your needs for others? Take a step in the right direction by making others a little less reliant on you and try changing some plans to fit your needs. It just might feel pretty good. It's so important to hear all about the issues you can face and what you can do about them to move on. Here on the Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast, we're all about you and all about your success. We hope you've enjoyed this first podcast season and you'll keep listening, share it with your friends and be back when we start again. In the meantime, don't forget, check out our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Find out more about the cost, the courses that we have to offer, the supplements you need. Don't forget, remember we have that closed Facebook group called Bariatric Surgery Eating. You can be part of our group, talk about issues you're facing. It's a great place to go read and post. To go to Bariatric Surgery Eating, request to join. They're free resources for all members, and this podcast is one of them. Beyond Bariatric Surgery is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. 
Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host's Great Ideas in Nutrition or Practicalities, LLC.